not really something like I set out to do, but I just thought it would be, you know, everyone loves a conversation between two acquaintances. You're walking. It's, you know, there's no papers in front of me. There's no questions in front of me. It's just sort of uh, the type of thing where, you know, you're just kind of shooting the breeze. I looked at a lot of people, a lot of influences, a lot of people that I thought were doing it the right way. But then ultimately you have to make your own voice, make your own style and hope that people will connect to it and that it will uh, resonate. Uh, I never uh, said, you know, you have to do this or that in order for me to be by your side. You know, that's a, a very special thing to have that kind of that kind of support. I honestly don't prepare all that much. I don't overthink it. I just kind of let it flow. And I don't know where I'm going to go in terms of where it's going to start, where it's going to end. I just think that makes for the best conversations. People are going to criticize you. People are going to say this and that. But if you're doing things the right way and you can look at yourself in the mirror, I think that you can hold your head high and be proud of your work. He was talking about it being sold out and there were a bunch of empty sections. So it didn't really make sense to me. Do you want me to introduce you? Sure. Yeah. But before that, our podcast is affiliated with Restream, on which we are hosting this conversation for all those podcasters out there. If you want higher video and audio quality, as well as live streaming, plus various other inputs, feel free to check out and get $10 off your Restream subscription by clicking the link in the description. And now... Live from New York, USA, standing at 5 feet 11 inches, weighing around 155 pounds, born, <laughs> <I> in, <laughs> born in Canada, we have with us the reigning, the undisputed, Ariel, the never duplicated Helvani. Yeah, right there. I wish I weighed 155 pounds. Uh, but thank you for that, my friend. How are you? I'm doing all great. And, you know, just seeing you, it's so wonderful. You're like a feast for the eyes. And I've been, huh. before starting, all I want to say is, sir, that for the past week, I've been reading about you and more than your work, seeing the kind of support that your family had towards your career. It was so wonderful to read and I can't wait to dive deep into it. So once again, thank you for doing this. I'm truly grateful. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sure. And to start off, it was so great to read that you inherited the hardworking side from your father, who is quite a successful textile owner, as well as your mother, whom you credit not only for your Jewish nose, but also for your interviewing side. And it was great to see that even while in college, you used to have this radio show where you would have guests on and your and your sister who was 11 at the time would act as assistant and call in the guest it's so great to hear that support and i read that while you shifted to espn you were not able to get that break and it was quite hard for you even though you provided such great shows with dc as well as the bad guy all i want to know is before starting this wonderful journey were you able to spend time with your folks out there yes absolutely and i appreciate you posting these uh, pictures of my parents who I love very much. Last yeah. month, I was able to go back to Montreal and be with my family, um, who I hadn't seen in, in quite some time. And uh, it was just really nice to reconnect with them, you know, spend some quality time to have my kids spend time with their grandparents. You know, there's nothing better than being around family and friends and being around uh, familiar surroundings. So 
uh, yeah, it was great. I had uh, a blast and I felt like it rejuvenated me um, after, you know, my time at ESPN um, kind of got it out of my system and was able to uh, start this new journey of mine with fresh eyes and uh, in a good place mentally and physically. And so, yeah, I'm very, very happy. Uh, I think it was one of the best summers of my life, not because I did anything out of the ordinary, but because, you know, I was able to reconnect with my family and, uh, right, you know, sir. spend more quality and time. E even while reading that, no, it doesn't matter how many times Rampage might tease you by saying that you cannot get a woman. But I personally believe you are the real OG because in huh. seventh grade, you found the girl whom you wanted to spend rest of your life with. And once uh, Helvani wants to do something, he never lets it go. And I came to know that your wife as well is quite a successful jewelry designer. And uh, all I want to know is that while you were in college, you know, I read that you used to be quite nervous and would not leave the room until 1, 2 a.m. to brush your teeth and all that. Even while going through your earlier videos, I don't want to sound disrespectful or anything, but like, what did she see in you? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I, by the way, I love this interview because you're the one telling my whole life story and I don't have to repeat it. So it's great. Uh, I appreciate the research. Uh, what did she see in me? I don't know. You'd have to ask her. I think uh, she liked my looks, my dance moves, as you can see right here. Uh, like my, uh, you know, my uh, my sense of humor. I don't take myself too seriously. Uh, these are the early days. Great stuff. And, uh, you know, I met her when I was 12. We haven't been together since I was 12. You know, we were friends first and kind of went our separate ways for a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess she uh, always believed in me and supported me even when, you know, times were uh, a little bit dicey for me. Um, and I yes, think sir. that happened. And I specifically want to know that during those times, because you've been through a lot, like what was the support of your wife and not just being there with you, but also sort of keeping your head straight? Because being in your place, I mean, a person can go through anxiety and all that maelstrom of emotions. I and mean, what was a role in just keeping you relaxed and focused? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, incredible to, uh, you know, to have someone by my side who, you know, didn't care if I was successful or not, didn't care, um, you know, what was going on, just loved me for who I am. Uh, and never uh, said, you know, you have to do this or that in order for me to be by your side. You know, that's a, a very special thing to have that kind of that kind of support. So, yeah, I'm very, very yeah. thankful and grateful for the relationship. Was she able to see the kind of vision you had while you were in college? Because at that time, even though you were doing your best having the show and just grinding it out, still was she able to see the vision that you had? Absolutely. She never questioned it. She never doubted it and always told me to go after it. So 100 percent. Mm -hmm. She, uh, she really had my back, and I don't know if I'm as successful as I am today uh, without her having my back and her support. Right. And even, you know, when a person goes through such tough circumstances, it's always uh, great to have someone beside you. And, you know, for a person like me, I mean, the way things are going for me, you know, forget women, you know, I'm so de desperate, you know, I'm just trying out. But the thing is that I really like your photos with the afro cut right here. It literally makes you feel as if one of your parents was like a tall black basketball player. <laughs> I have very thick hair uh, and it grows back very quickly and it's uh, it's very curly. So when I was in college, I, I kind of decided to let it grow a little bit. Uh, and here you see the, uh, the in-between stages. 
Uh, I didn't cut it for, I think, around uh, maybe two years. Um, and it was good for, you know, the time being. But I think this this style is much better for me. For a person like you, you know, who has such an amazing work ethic, and that's one of the main inspirations I see from you is your work ethic. And how are you able to enjoy this whole journey? And I'm so happy to see that now you're in such a wonderful place. Take it from writing such insightful articles for Substack, whose first year proceeds would go to Colorectal Cancer Canada, which was started by your uncle, who's multiple times survivor, to your podcast, which is affiliated with the Ringer Company, now with BT Sports. And the kind of truthfulness which I see from you is amazing. you told us that BT Sports has high quality broadcast and seeing your broadcast in the Jake Paul and Woodley fight was out of the park. I'm interested to know is how are you able to enjoy this journey when you have so much on your plate? Oh, because when you're doing stuff that you love and that gets you excited, it's easy. You know, I, I want to keep doing more. The moment I'm done with something, I'm thinking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So I'm very, very thankful and grateful. I feel like we only have one life and I don't know how long my life is going to be and I want to do uh, the most fun things possible. So yeah, Still, I'm just... I'm... Uh, I read that uh, you enjoy doing MMA and despite of all the disrespect that you got from UFC, you still cover that sport because you like how UFC fighters have their heart on their hand and they are not so censored unlike other leagues. But still, you know, sometimes these fighters can get personal, make personal remarks, which I've seen many a times. So didn't you ever think that maybe I would be better off going to NBA, NFL? Because for a person with such an amazing work, I think it wouldn't be much of a transition. Yeah, nah, you know, I don't take it too personally. I know the way they are and, and I don't think it's personal. I love those other sports, but those, the athletes, you know, they're not the best interviews and they can be a little boring. So I like the characters in MMA. I like the people. I like the stories. I like the drama. I like the buildup. I like the aftermath. I like everything involved, including the fights, of course. Um, and I'll always be a fan of those other sports like NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, soccer, all that stuff. But I think for my skill set, combat sports is the best. MMA, boxing, kickboxing, pro wrestling. I, I love, I love the story of the two people coming together and sort of deciding who's the better man or woman. Um, so no I doubt. feel like I've really my lane. Yeah. And you're one of, you are, if not the best, you're one of the best covering that sport. And also for a person like you, you must have observed your whole journey as a reporter and you must have seen many other journalists develop themselves. What key patterns do you think an aspiring reporter, journalist, television presenter should be aware of, which would facilitate this process of finding their own style? Because when I see people like Mike Greens from NBA, they have their own trademark word like bang and all that. But Joe Rogan also has a bit of it. I mean, how does one develop their own style? What should be one aware of? Well, it's just you have to follow something that, you, uh, that you're passionate about. And uh, you kind of have to look around at what other people are doing and see what makes them good and then kind of take it all in and blend it into a style and a persona that is, that is best for you. So that, you know, that's what I did. I, I looked at a lot of people, a lot of influences, a lot of people that I thought were doing it the right way. But then ultimately, you have to make your own voice, make your own style and hope that people will connect to it and that it will uh, resonate with others. So I think it's very important to be unique. I think it's very important to feel passionate about you know what you're doing. 
to have um, authenticity, to be genuine, um, and to also know what you're talking about, be prepared, be well-researched. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to stick out and you can't be like everyone else. So it's important to work hard and be professional. Those are traits that everyone must have in order to be successful. But I think in addition to that, you have to stand out. You have to be unique. You have to have fun. You have to be genuine. You have to be authentic, all these things. And I know it's easier said than done, but it takes time over time. You, you develop that relationship, that rapport with people. And uh, hopefully the fans, you know, are able to right. uh, and you know, connect. Sir, with talk, talk about uniqueness. I, one of my favorite interviews, not just in UFC, but overall, is these when you would walk the streets of Dublin with Conor McGregor or walk the streets of Tokyo with Rampage Jackson. How you came up with this uh, unique approach that I can do something like that? Because I'm the kind of personalities which we are able to see of fighters in these interviews and props to your preparation of connecting the with different places who came up with this idea and when you thought you could do something like that uh it was just me you know wanting to talk to the people in a you know to the fighters in an honest way and um in a you know kind of unguarded way and it's just not really something like i set out to do but i just thought it'd be you know everyone loves a conversation between two acquaintances you're walking it's you know, there's no papers in front of me. There's no questions in front of me. It's just sort of uh, the type of thing where, you know, you're just kind of shooting the breeze, as they say. And I think those make for the best interviews, conversations, whatever. Um, and I've really enjoyed doing those over the years as well. So uh, I hope to do more of that. I think it really brings out the best in them. You know, the one I did with Eddie Alvarez was a lot of fun. Rampage Jackson, uh, Connor, Michael Bisping. Right. I've really enjoyed and, doing those and, over the years. And- Sir, the preparation must have been insane because not only do you have to worry about that once I go to stadium, I have to ask these questions to Connor or something like that. You also need to be prepared to ask the improvised questions. And the way you are able to mix these two, the prepared material with the improvised, is such a great experience for an aspiring host like me to watch. And I'm curious to know how you are able to do that without repeating certain phrases, which I am guilty of doing, like truly, or I like to know, I like to know. How are you able to maintain the natural flow of conversation? I'm not perfect. I still make a lot of mistakes. I still repeat the same thing. I mean, I repeat uh, yeah, I said, dare I say, and I would be remiss and all that stuff. I, I still, you know, I, I still feel like I'm a work in progress and that I could be a lot better and I could do a lot better. Um, and so I'm no expert when it comes to any of this, but like anything in life, the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more reps, the more comfortable you'll be, all that stuff and more. So I would just say practice, 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 whether it's in front of the camera, in front of a microphone or in back of a microphone. Um, in the mirror, in your bed, at home, while you're walking, while you're running, while you're showering, all that stuff. How are you able to listen to your guests so well that you're able to come up with such unique and on-the-spot questions which are able to go into the unknown part, which we haven't seen before, especially in these interviews where you walk the city? Because when we are interviewing someone inside four walls, it's a bit difficult to get their actual personality out. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's, it, I don't really actually prepare for those, to be honest with you. I, I just feel like I know the subject. If I was talking to someone who was a NASCAR driver, I would have to do a lot more, you know, research and things of that nature. But in this case, it's just, you know, it's like you and I, like we're just talking, you know, if I went to a coffee shop 
and uh, was meeting a friend, I wouldn't come with a, a sheet of questions. I know the friend. I know what's going on in their life. I know what matters to them and, and um, you know, their family, whatever, their job. And so you just ask questions and you go back and forth. And that's it. I, I honestly don't prepare all that much. I don't overthink it. I just kind of let it flow. And I don't know where I'm going to go in terms of where it's going to start, where it's going to end. I just think that makes for the best conversations. Right. And sometimes when you don't prepare, you can even, you know, ask some of the dumb questions and coming up with dumb questions, you know, I'm curious to know, what were you thinking while asking Leonard about why were nine seats row empty? Oh, um, uh, after May- Mayweather McGregor? Yeah. This guy right here. I mean, he was talking. He was talking about it being sold out, and there were a bunch of empty sections, so it didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was some other hidden meaning behind it. Still. No. No. I mean, he just kept talking about it being sold out, and there were a bunch of empty seats. So I was like, "Oh, how do you explain this?" And it seems like a valid question to me. Still, when you look at you know what happened during the UFC and stuff like that, do you think that right now is this? a good place for an investigative or even for a journalist like you who likes to present the truth, which might be better for the people of the company to swallow at first, but is good for everyone. Is it still a safe place for these kinds of journal- journalism to be appreciated both financially and be relaxed mentally? I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think that it's just a matter of it's a matter of uh, being ethical and and doing things the right way. And if you're doing things the right way, and if you're 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 you know being professional, and you're checking your sources and all that stuff, I think people are going to criticize you. People are going to say this and that. But if you're doing things the right way and you can look at yourself in the mirror, I think that you can hold your head high and be proud of your work. Um, now there's. Is there going to be repercussions? Are people going to get mad? Again, if you feel like what you're doing is honest and you feel like you're telling the truth and you're reporting on things that matter and that it's not unethical or biased, then I say go for it and understand the landscape, understand who you're dealing with, understand um, what's at stake, and then just go for it with confidence and pride and everything tends to work out the way it should. Yes, and even while I look at your various other appearances, it's so great to see that uh, how you are able to point out all the stuff that needs to be looked at. For example, you made a great point. It just came in my mind right here about UFC did this deal with the cryptocurrency and they are having it printed on every fighter's jersey. And you gave a wonderful example that how it was great to see Mike Tyson walk in with this whole black wardrobe and you're taking mm-hmm. away the uniqueness of fighters without paying them anything out of that. And it's great to see that how you are one of the few journalists left who are truly keeping the real essence alive. You mm-hmm. mentioned something about having the sources right, being an aspiring journalist student. You know, I want to know who are these sources? I mean, are these someone who are, for example, working in the UFC or are they someone outside it? Who are these people? No, it's just people that you meet. I mean, it could be uh, a brother, a mother, a coach, a manager, uh, a sister, a training partner. I mean, there's no set source. Um, people talk to you on the record, off the record. You know, that's just the way it works. Um, I don't really talk to anyone in the UFC. Uh, I used to talk to some people, but these days, not really. So yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have a story, uh, you you know, you want to protect your sources. If it's someone that's telling you something on background, or wants to remain anonymous, you would always protect them, um, no matter what. And I've always done that. 
Um, but then it's if it's something that someone wants to talk about on the record, then great. Uh, and then you attribute, you know, the the comments information to them. So it there's no kind of like set source or anything like that. Right. And when it comes to UFC, why can't they just announce to all the reporters and journalists that we do not want any of you to announce about any recent fights coming up until we do first? Because no, all that Brock Lesnar thing. I mean, why can't just UFC people tell you all to not? I mean, they kind of do that, but it doesn't. If they tell us about a specific fight, hey, this is embargoed off the record, then you can't touch it. But, you know, it's no different than in any other sport where they talk about transfers or trades or hirings and firings. Like that's just the transaction of sports. They like to control everything and that's, that's their prerogative. But you know, this is just a byproduct of success. Having media cover you is a byproduct of their success. People caring about their business is a byproduct of their success. It's not because they're trying to be bad or mean or scumbags or anything like that. It's because they're trying to cover a successful growing organization a very popular sport so you know to say yeah. to tell the media not to cover certain things it just doesn't really fly uh, but if it's something specific then of course you have to respect it sure and i really once again i just like the way you mention it out and even while going through your childhood i mean i knew that since the age of 14 you wanted to be involved in it you used to read the sports magazine illustrator and then you decided find found out the topmost university took an admission into it and then started grinding and all that i mean for a person like you you must be you know even though you mentioned that you were quite nervous in college days about all that stuff but i see you here reading newspaper in the dead sea i mean you would be a kind of person who would be hiding skeletons inside the closet and taking all these you know pursuing different interests and all that sorry you broke up there at the very end okay yeah all i wanted to know is that you w must be experimenting with different stuff and have some amazing experience to share from your childhood or college days or your earliest experiences of creating something yeah no i mean uh i'm kind of still doing the stuff that i was doing in college or that i dreamed of doing in college so you know it's just great i feel very lucky that i still get to do this for a living and that i still get to cover uh you know fighting combat sports for a living i feel very blessed uh, and i hope to be able to do it for as long as i'm around um i had uh, big dreams when i was a kid and um I still have big dreams and I still feel like I am not close to accomplishing a lot of them. And so I just hope that I'm, you know, around long enough to where I can accomplish those dreams. Yeah. And even seeing that once you got out of college, you started this website called jarrypart.com because of your appreciation for Montreal Expos. And you quitted your first job because you weren't getting that creative freedom and it's perfectly understandable. Then you yourself, I think around six months, Months to a year or something would interview a UFC fighter every day and you do not care how many people view it you're just going to put it out there and for someone who's around that age and I'm about to go into college you know how what kind of how old are you I just turned 18 wow great yeah. great <laughs> actually uh, I'm interested to know that uh, how were you what was your daily routine like how much hours were you spending just interviewing these fighters? Because for me, having a guest a week is itself a huge grind because I'm doing everything by myself from sending invites to editing. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really tough thing. You know, I was only doing audio at the time. There wasn't really video option. So, you know, video makes it a little more difficult. 
but yeah, I was spending a lot of time. I mean, it was my full-time job, reaching out to fighters, talking to fighters, uploading it, planning things. That was all I was doing for those six months. That's all I wanted to do. So it, it can be a full-time job. And even now, you know, with the, the interviews that I do and the shows that I do, I'm the one who books all of it and kind of plans it out. And that's the way I like to do it because I feel like I, I, kind, of, I kind of know what the fans want or what would do best. And um, I have the personal connection with a lot of these fighters, so I'd rather reach out to them myself. But yes, it is a grind. There's no doubt about it. It's a fun grind, but you know, it, it's a lot of work to try to uh, you know, put all this together. I have no doubt about that. Sure. So what do you do? Do you still have any sort of hobbies to sort of relax yourself? I like to hang out with my kids. There's not a ton of time to do other things. Are they able sports. to sort of understand that, yes, our dad might not be in home for two, three days in a row because he's providing a service to, if not millions and hundreds of thousands of people around the globe, you know, by covering these events in the best way possible. Are they able to understand it and sort of sneak in it into your studio room or something? Yeah, yeah, they understand. You know, they we, we were able to spend a lot of time together during the pandemic. And uh, I really enjoy being home working not just from home but like locally but when i have to go they they understand and they get excited when i come back and when i tell them about my trip and i bring them back something so uh i don't mind traveling but i don't want to do it as much as i was doing it before because it was a lot and i don't want to miss out on things for my kids but still i believe that when they grow up even more i know that they are quite young now they would realize the kind of hard work and the kind of work ethic that you have and surely gain inspiration from it and be a goat in it, whatever they decide to do. And it's so great to see how you are able to involve them in it. I remember just a day before the Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor fight, you asked your daughter in an Instagram story that who is she rooting for before she yes. went to her bedtime. And it's a delight to watch it, how you're able to involve them. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I love, I love, you know, being with them. I love uh, being their dad. I love seeing them grow and see their interests flourish and blossom. It's the best job that I've ever had. And uh, it was always a dream of mine to be a father. And I, I'm just so thankful that I have three healthy, uh, great kids. And I, I'm just, yeah, that's the best that, you know, I would do anything for them. Um, and that's why I want to be around them as much as possible because I love seeing them grow up. I heard that you and Darren Till like to take shots at each other. And it's great to see how friendly it is among between two of you guys. It's still, I, I believe, you know, the way things are going now. And after seeing his uh, recent fight, do you think you can take Darren Till inside an octagon? Because we got to no. see right here on the screen how you are able to knockout fighters no 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 i would never do that i would never ever do that are you familiar with this people say that he looks exactly like you the the, the fighter oh yes people have told me that uh his name is Ayman zahabi uh yeah. he's also from montreal by the way so that's really cool he is way tougher than i am he is way more courageous than i am uh he's a great fighter he is the uh the the brother of faraz zahabi the great uh mma coach um, right. So and are I you planning to have him on your show as a guest? Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's great to see. And when you look at all of this journey, you know, a kid, 14-year-old kid from Montreal who is now covering all these events successfully and keeping alive the real essence of journalism, you don't ever look back and say, man, it has been a heck of a life. 
It has been incredible life. I hope it continues. Very thankful. I often think about things and look back on things and say, I don't know how all this has happened to me. Um, I have moments where I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. And I just want it to continue. Um, I'm extremely thankful, very thankful, very grateful. And uh, like I said, I just, I hope it never ends. I hope I don't wake up from this dream. Sure. And for those of you out there who want to know, you are so, despite of uh, investing so many hours each day into providing such a great service, you're still able to be so engaged with your audience. And for those of you who want to know, last, I think, Quite a few months ago, I contacted you. I just replied to your story. And out of the blue, I had around 800 to 1,000 followers at the time. And you responded it. And now you're the guest on our show. I couldn't be even more grateful for your time. Thank you for such a wonderful service. You're one of the most realist people I've seen. Because in the end, all we want to see is a person not with just wacky hairstyle, unique clothing. We want to see a person who can do his job in the best way possible and show us the real and unique side of these fighters. And it has been a delight to have you. And so keep on doing what you do. I've had a great time. Hope you enjoyed being a part of this as well. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you reaching out and for the kind words and a great job with the questions. Great research. I wish you the best. Uh, keep going. Keep dreaming. And uh, we'll do this again in the future. Sure. And once we get through this pandemic, maybe even, you know, I would try if we ever get an opportunity to meet in person. And I read this. Actually, I learned this from you only to interview guests without reading from a script. I used to do that till our episode seven. And now this is our episode since episode eight. I have not been looking at the script and the kind of conversations which I'm having are so deep and profound. So. Thank you for being my inspiration. Great job, my friend. All the best to you. Good luck. Uh, much love to everyone in India. And uh, thank you again for having me on. Sure, sir. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. With this, we end the episode 10 of Braviras with Ariel Hilwani. And it has been much of a delight to have him as our guest. I can't wait to share these snippets out there with all of you. For those of you interested to watch one or two minute clips, feel free to check out our Instagram. And for the, those of you who want to watch the full video podcast, it would be uploaded on our YouTube channel. And you can even listen to it on all streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. So once again, thank you for tuning in and have a great day.